Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask you today to enrich us with your word. Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us your word, Old and New Testament, and that you use it and speak through your word even today. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to light our hearts with your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in John 17, we come to Jesus' prayer for his disciples at the end of his farewell discourse. And it's a wonderful prayer that even we who have believed on Jesus through the witness of the original disciples are included in. Jesus frames this prayer speaking of his glory and the authority that the Father had given to him, authority to give eternal life to whomever the Father has given to Jesus. And Jesus goes on and says that knowing the Father and knowing himself is eternal life. So knowing Jesus and knowing the Father is of utmost importance to us. It's a matter of eternal life or not. But how do we come to know the Father and Jesus? How do we come to know anyone? We come to know people by spending time with them, by connecting, conversing, communing with them. And Jesus had done all those things with his disciples. And doing so, he revealed the Father to them so that they knew him as well. Because Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He also said this of the Holy Spirit. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit have the same nature and the same personality. They also have the same will and same purpose in everything that they do. And if you know one, then you know them all. The three of them simply have different functions. Jesus, of course, had a human nature and a human will as well as a divine will. And that human will, he yielded to his Father in heaven as well. But we as humans do not share the divine nature and will of God, so we cannot commune with God naturally until we are able to go through Jesus who does share that will in nature with God. We are only able to do so when we first recognize our need for such and our need for Jesus's perfection. And so we repent of our sins and we yield our human nature and our human wills to God, asking for his help and trusting in Jesus's atoning work on the cross for our cleansing. And still, 
we will not know God fully as long as we walk this earth. It's just the beginning of the grace of knowing him, and that's called sanctification. Now, is, is knowing Jesus, knowing God's personality? Well, yes, it is for Christians, for those who have taken the first step I mentioned above. And that's a question I dealt with in the Trinity issue of St. Timothy's Banner that's available today in electronic form on, this web, on the website, the website of St. Timothy's. So please read it when you get a chance and everything else in there. Well, Jesus said in his prayer to God the Father in John 17, speaking of the disciples, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to manifest, manifest one person's name to another? I have shown in recent sermons that manifesting the Father's name relates to manifesting his authority. Last week, as we all know, Something terrible happened in the U.S. In, in the city of Minneapolis. A police officer manifested the exact opposite of those who he received authority from. And incidences like that turn what should otherwise be used as a good example of manifesting authority onto its head because police officers are supposed to represent the democratically elected governments which they work for, whether municipal, city, state, province, or country. Governments that authorize them, that's who they're supposed to represent. And the Bible says that they are supposed to be God's ministers to us for our good. They are supposed to enforce laws while on duty, arresting lawbreakers so that they can be tried in a court of law when convicted, penalized by the state for the crimes they committed. An officer's authority representing the, law, the laws of a government or a sovereign is limited. It's limited to the role that he is authorized for. And in this case, it's namely for surveillance and for arresting the lawbreakers. It is not, he is not authorized to do any prejudging or punishing of those who he's arrested. Officers who abuse their authority abuse the law and the government that is behind them, as well as the person that they are abusing. And therefore, they should also be tried for treason, for usurping the authority that the government had granted to them, beside being held responsible for the lives that they took. Abuse of authority must carry severe consequences, and this relates to us Christians, too as all of us represent someone higher than us, all of us Christians 
represent God. And we should take that very seriously. We will be held accountable for our representation of God. A much better example of authority as it relates to Jesus and his father is that of a good ambassador or an official envoy. A resident in a country representing a government or a sovereign, in the case of Jesus, far off. So Jesus manifesting the Father's name would include Jesus manifesting the Father's authority, and Jesus did manifest his authority while he was on earth exercising God's supernatural power, healing the sick, calming the storms, raising the dead, and many more things. But because Jesus is also divine and one with the Father, his authority would also include displaying the Father's nature, the Father's essence or being, his disposition, his temper temperament, his personality, his glory. And that's important for us as followers of Jesus who never met Jesus in the flesh as his disciples in his day had because Jesus is now transcendent. He is no longer physically resident in our world. So the possibility of experiencing him transcends our natural capabilities. We therefore have to find how we can know or experience him now. And Jesus tells us how. If we are Christians, we can experience Jesus and the Father by the Holy Spirit who is in us. We will see in that something similar to what Jesus did manifesting the Father to his disciples while he was resident here on earth. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us as he takes up residence in our hearts once we have repented of our sins and received Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit then enters into us and manifests both Jesus and the Father to us inwardly. And that is part of the reason why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit to be active in our hearts and our lives as Christians. Because he wants to reveal God to us and to reveal God to others through us. We are his ambassadors. If we are believers, the Holy Spirit is already in us and will manifest God in and through us unless we resist him or grieve him away as scripture says. The Holy Spirit is in us and he is the one that does God's divine work in us and through us. But sometimes as we regard our hearts and often our prayers, we might notice that the Holy Spirit is the most neglected of the Trinity. 
I myself tend to pray to Jesus when I'm not using liturgical prayers. Otherwise, it's to the Father in Jesus' name. But when I started this service after the invitation, I prayed to Jesus. And maybe, maybe I mentioned the Father, maybe the Holy Spirit, but it's not, the Holy Spirit is not always in my prayers. And of course, the Holy Spirit does not promote himself. He silently points us to Jesus, to his words, his work, his person, and he points us to the heart of the Father. But we must realize and acknowledge the Holy Spirit's person and work in us as well. Because we are likewise dependent on him, just as dependent on him as we are the Father in Jesus Christ. Some people say, ridiculing the fundamentalist Christians, that the Trinity for them looks more like the Father, Son, and Holy Bible than it does the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And sometimes they have a good point and good reason for saying that. Because we need reminding often that the Old Testament in ancient times was misunderstood by God's people because there was not this acknowledgement and dependence on God's Holy Spirit for its revelation. And it will be misunderstood today, Old and New Testament, by Christians today if we don't continually ask and depend on the Holy Spirit for revelation and yield to him as we read the Bible and study it. Yes, God has spoken through his word, but God continues to speak through his word as well. And the Holy Spirit gives it life and current application to our lives and in our contexts. And he speaks to us in other ways as well. That be, that those ways that can be confirmed through and never apart from or contradictive of his written word, the Bible. And the Holy Spirit will manifest Jesus and the Father to us and to others through his word and even through us if we allow him to and if we submit to God's word. We modern-day Christians, modern-day disciples need eagerly to desire the gifts of the Spirit as we are told to in scripture. And we should study God's word, study the book of Acts excitedly, expecting the same for us in our church as God did for his church back then, because God is still the same God and still wants to reach the world around us in the same way as he did through them back then, through us. We must believe it. Well, speaking of his disciples, Jesus continued his prayer to the Father. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, 
and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. That goes for us too. Just as Jesus' disciples believed, obeyed, and submitted to Jesus, and he was thus glorified in them, we disciples of Jesus today can also glorify Jesus by believing and obeying and submitting to him through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on in verse 11, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Well, what does it mean to keep someone in or by another's name? Some translations say, guard them in your name. Going back to the example of an ambassador, that would mean diplomatic immunity from the laws of the country where he or she is temporarily resident in. Or we can look at another example of a name as, as, as it would be for a child to be under the protection of a parent whose name they take, whose name they are under. People identify them by the name of their given, the, the name of their parent, the last name. So, depending on the power of the parent, others would be very careful not to harm the child. Otherwise, they have to answer to the parent. And the psalmist prays to God in Psalm 17 in this way. He asks God to keep him as the apple of his eye, to hide him under the shadow of his wings. That's under God's protection. And the apple of God's eye, that is the, the, the thing that brings him joy. Jesus continues, those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That is who we are being protected from. We still have that same word from Jesus for us as he prayed for his disciples. The Holy Spirit gives it a fresh 
to us when we read it, asking for his help. And the world still hates us for that word, but God keeps us. The world hates us, and the evil one, Satan, hates us. They are enemies of God, and we belong to God. But we have to thank God that he's given us protection from the evil one. And Jesus shares responsibility for us with the Father, as he did for his disciples in his day. Jesus died for us, and he continues giving us his Father's word with the Holy Spirit now helping us. And, and Jesus continues also to intercede for us to the Father. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He says that for our benefit and our understanding as well. We have to understand this is not our permanent home. And he goes on in verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Well, what is sanctification? Sanctification is part of salvation, but sanctification is the process. It's not something done once for all, like, uh, like justification, like Jesus, when he died for our sins, he justified us forever. And glorification, that's part of salvation too, but that's coming in the future when we are brought to heaven, raised from the dead, brought to heaven to the presence of God, we will be glorified then permanently with a glorified body. But sanctification is a process of God's working in us, making us holy for his purposes and his mission. Do we, do we need sanctification? Yes, all of us do, and that's a work of the Holy Spirit. We can get sanctified daily by the truth of God's word as we allow the Holy Spirit to use it and to apply it to our hearts and ask him to change us by it. We need that because if we're Jesus's disciples, we are also his ambassadors resident on this earth. And he has a mission for us. That mission is a continuation of his holy mission. And that's why we have to be holy. He said this to his father and our father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So today, as we consider all that's going on, we must remember this is not our home. This is not our final home. We are here on a mission. Our final home is in heaven with Jesus and his Father. And in this chaotic world with all of this sin going on around us and, and all of this um, illness and plague, we have to remember we're here for a purpose, and that's God's purpose. And we have to rely on the Holy Spirit 
to work God's purpose through us and do what we have to do to allow him to do that, which is staying connected in communion with him, not breaking that wonderful communion that Jesus has attained for us with God the Father. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we, we know, we can see that we don't belong, Lord, to this world. Um, when we are close to you, we can see that. When we're in your word, we can see that. And Lord, help us to stay close to you and stay in your word. Lord, continue to speak to us through your Holy Spirit, awakening our spirits, Lord, to, to our true purpose in you. And Lord, as we are challenged, our, as we are confronted by things that, that you did not make, that you did not will in this world, help us to stand up for truth, for your truth in love and give us the power, the super, supernatural power we need to do so by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.